Brand loyalty, customer experience. But how do we create brand loyalty? That's our topic on CXO Talk. Mario Natarelli is the managing director of Emblem. He wrote a book called Brand Intimacy. Emblem is a independent interdisciplinary agency. We are headquartered in New York City and we have offices in seven countries. My role here is managing partner, as you said, here in New York, and I lead teams of strategists, consultants, designers, programmers, futurists, and support staff. And we're all really passionate about helping clients build ultimate brands. Futurists, that's really interesting. Designers, I get, but where do futurists fit into this? Brands are really about what the potential is for the future. And so we really need people who are understanding trends, both at the macro level and also specific to industries or specific to companies and where and how are those uh, trends going to affect business in the future? What can brand do to get ahead of it? So in order to build a brand successfully, you have to be able to project where is the future as it's relevant and pertains to you headed. Is that the idea? Think of a brand as the future manifestation of the business. Don't think of the brand as being in the rearview mirror. Really, brand should be driving progress, momentum, uh, driving the aspirations of the company forward. And that's a future state um, about what can be and what that potential can be. When you talk about brand intimacy, let's, let's link that concept, that important concept, to what you were just describing. Well, it's a concept that we've been working on for nine years. It's a journey that we've uh, taken very seriously. We uh, have developed a model and uh, done global research to validate that model. And it's predicated on the idea that we can, uh, and we really need a new marketing paradigm, one that's more suited to our times, right? So as we, uh, as marketers look at the marketplace, we see proliferation, brands struggling to gain a kind of foothold or to be seen or to kind of cut above the noise. We see a challenge where customers are ever more in control of brands today than they have ever been. Uh, we see that technology is creating incredible transformation and uh, a pace of change that is increasing over time. And more importantly, probably most important, is that what we know about the brain today is very different than what we've understood in the past and that when we make decisions, emotion drives those decisions. So those forces are really what drove our, um, both the impetus for the book and the formation of Emblem and this idea that we can really create a better marketing paradigm for our times. How would you characterize that marketing paradigm and how is it different from the traditional paradigm of marketing? Well, I think one of the things that we discovered when we were creating this idea of brand intimacy is that uh, what we understand about brands today is different, right? We are living in uh, multifaceted, interconnected times. Brands are much more reciprocal than they've ever been with consumers uh, before. And the role that technology is playing, both as an enabler uh, for brands, but also a barrier, is very different uh, than it's ever been before. And so those are some of the reasons that we felt uh, a new model was necessary. When we looked to see what existing models or thinking was out there, they tended to be very uh, linear in their nature and very rational in their orientation. And so when you think about the way we make decisions, if emotion is playing a key role and emotion isn't being factored in those traditional models, then clearly there was a reason to kind of look at this in a new way. Is emotion then the operative driver of this difference between how brands uh, presented themselves and, and were built 
in the past versus today? Yeah, think of this as a complementary way to think about brands. This adds on to other uh, philosophies and theories, right? But at its core, brand intimacy is the emotional science of how we bond with brands. Uh, and that, as an understanding, can live side by side with other uh, constructs and frameworks. But the point here is that this new thinking can reveal and maybe uh, give you a sense of leverage or a new way forward for opportunity, growth, and success. So you say brand intimacy is the emotional side of how we bond with brands. Right. Please elaborate on that because it seems like it's the maybe the crux of the matter here. Absolutely. Maybe an example is a good way forward. And let me use you as my guinea pig. What brands, Michael, do you have in your life that you are, you know, feel a strong emotional connection with? Oh, God. I mean, let's, I guess everybody talks about Apple, but there's, an, but there's many, but go on. Sure. So everybody's got a few, uh, even skeptics. Uh, once we probe a little deeper, we can reveal that whether it's the car they drive or the news that they read or the coffee that they drink or the shampoo that they favor, there are these brands that we um, are in a limited way very emotionally connected with. And what we'd like to know is how does that happen? What can we learn from those patterns? And then how can we apply that to companies or to brands that are in need of more of it? I guess that begs the question, how do we apply that to brands and what, what can brands do? What should brands do? I think the first thing is to understand how do we measure the emotional connections that we form with brands? How do we understand them? Do they exist? Are they strong? Uh, are they weak? Where can we improve them? I think that's one way to approach it. Uh, the other is uh, the reason we create an annual study and look at the top brands, 400 brands in the world. Uh, we've gathered over 20,000 uh, consumers uh, input around these brands. The reason we do that is because we can learn lessons from who does this really well, whether it's specific brands that rank historically very high or industries that are just naturally better at this than others. And between the lessons and understanding where performance lives today, I think you can chart a new path, new strategy, create new um, activations or ways for brands to perform better in the future. Mario, are the benefits that you're describing, do they accrue primarily to the brands or is there an equal benefit to consumers on the other side? Yeah, that's a great question and one that we, we don't hear as often as you, you would think we should. Let's talk about benefits, right? Why, why does this matter? I mean, why should you care? I think the first and most important thing that we've discovered is the more intimate you are with a brand, the less you're, living, you're willing to live without it, and the more you're willing to pay for it. So if you're business-minded, if that hasn't gotten your attention, another thing we've discovered is that uh, when we look at the top-performing intimate brands and we compare them to the Fortune 500 or the Standard & Poor's Index, Intimate brands outperform those indices, both in terms of revenue and profit and over time. So this isn't something that's just logical or sounds nice. This is actually creating real business outcomes. So that's, I think, an important benefit uh, to be mindful of. That's clearly a business benefit. From a consumer perspective, I think uh, what's interesting when you think about brand intimacy is that Ultimately, it's oriented around getting closer to the customer, understanding needs, wants, desires, uh, triggers for decisions uh, to buy or use. And uh, a better a brand can do in that regard, I think, ultimately, 
benefits the customer um, uh, inherently. Mario, you were talking about the, the benefits, but let's drill into what brands should do in order to develop a greater sense of intimacy with their customers and closeness to their customers. We have a detailed model uh, that measures brand intimacy. And in that model, uh, you can uncover certain ingredients uh, that help or enhance intimacy. So that's certainly one way uh, to research and understand where do you perform today, what can be improved upon in the future, and what, which levers uh, can get you there. But I think that's probably the primary, word, primary way or primary starting point. Another framework or way to think about this that we use with our clients is a really simple one, and that is essence, story, and experience. Think of a brand as starting with essence. What do you stand for? How do you represent uh, yourself to the market, both visually, verbally, and from a strategy point of view. That's the kind of core foundation of a brand. And then around that, we call the story layer, the narrative, right? How does the brand communicate or engage with an audience? And often, that is uh, typically under, under leveraged. And then the final layer, what we call the experience layer, is the orchestration of touch points and channels to make sure that that brand is effectively and seamlessly uh, meeting moments with their consumers and customers in effective ways. So essence, story, and experience is a kind of very simple way to think about how a brand thrives. And it sounds simple, but it's actually really hard to do uh, for a lot of reasons. One, uh, it's beyond the remit of just a marketer. Uh, it involves strategy and operations and customer service and many other departments in an organization. Uh, it's also hard to keep doing. So it's one thing to achieve it, but you, you really need to kind of keep it in a pervasive or um, continuous mode. And that's very challenging for companies, especially large ones. Yeah, please continue with the, the challenges. Well, what we discover is that you really can't have a strong story without a strong essence, and you can't have a strong experience without both essence and story. So these are kind of like concentric circles that are uh, ever growing. And um, what we notice also is that companies tend to get myopic or uh, sort of singular in their focus. And they don't necessarily see the interrelationships of these things or necessarily appreciate how much effort and investment over time it takes to maintain or to excel in these areas. When we look at brands that do very well in our study, whether it's Disney, which was number one this year, or Apple, which is perennially uh, a top brand, we see companies that are both diverse and growing and dynamic but also extremely strong at defining and exhibiting a strong essence, delivering meaningful and provocative stories, and really amazing and thoroughly well-orchestrated experiences. We are talking with Mario Nattarelli, the managing partner of Emblem. And Mario, we have a couple of questions right now from Twitter. And the first one is from Sal Rasa, who asks, how can an organization align its culture to help reach the emotional connections that you were just describing? I think it's a good question. Intimacy starts, brand intimacy starts inside, right? Um, we often hear about this from a brand building perspective. It starts with the employees, the internal stakeholders. And if you think about bonds with stakeholders, not just customers or consumers, but stakeholders in the broadest sense, then clearly the bonds that, a bit that the company is forming with its employees are paramount and primary. 
So if you're thinking about a great essence story and experience, that's got to start with your employees first. We spend an inordinate amount of time and focus in our brand building efforts on the organization inside. Yeah, it's very fascinating. Uh, as I have spoken with senior execs from large organizations, including some of the best C CEOs that I know, one common theme seems to be we have to take care of our employees first right? because they're the folks who are then going to translate whatever they do into the right experiences for our customers. And as corporations merge or uh, change, leadership migrates or evolves, you can imagine the forces at work at pulling apart essence, story, and experience for the employees. And when that happens, you see the effects of that in the market, whether it's in customer service or product development or strategy or marketing and sales. Clearly, those start with strong leadership and an investment in aligning the internal stakeholders around a strong brand. As you're talking about essence, story, and experience, it is very clear that much of this goes well beyond marketing, and yet branding, we tend to think as being with, fitting within <laughs> the right. marketing function. Right. And so how, how, do, how should companies, uh, people working in, in companies, handle this? It seems like a kind of difficult paradox to me. Yeah, and it's a difficult word, right? A word brand that's been sort of used and misused a lot lately, uh, especially. One thing that might help is to think about, I mean, we're, we're all past the point that a, a brand is more than a logo or a static thing, right? So if we can kind of call that antiquated thinking, I, I think the next evolution is to think about a brand as a relationship. And I think that makes a big difference when you do that because it clearly signals that it's more than a marketing function. If a brand is about a relationship and how you nurture those bonds or that relationship is paramount, it really starts to motivate the thinking or the priorities, I think, in much more positive and effective ways. Are there many companies that do this well? I mean, as I'm, you know, it sounds so simple to think about brand as a relationship, but then the tentacles reach across the operations of a business in so many different ways that it seems to then roll up, and you indicated this earlier, roll up into the core strategy of the company and the foundation of its relationship to customers. Imagine our challenge when we try to explain to a CFO that the emotions uh, that you're forming with a brand are uh, important, you know, uh, analytically minded or uh, more data minded individuals struggle with this idea that um, emotion matters and how you measure and or leverage it matters. So we are continually fighting that resistance within companies to sort of chart a path that is holistic. You know, there are clearly rationally driven measures that are important to running a business. This isn't trying to supplant them. What we're trying to say is that there's this another element that can be a really important growth or leverage point for a brand or a business. And it's to not lose sight of that and to say, okay, if it's there, how good are we at it? Who does this well? What can we learn from them? And how do we leverage it against our competitors or in the category that we're in or where we hope to be? Do marketers from your experience hear or feel resistance as they try to elevate the branding conversation into a core business strategy conversation? Well, that's a great question. 
you know, this tends to be industry dependent. Some industries, I think, are a little more aligned. I've seen previous interviews that you've given with CMOs that are at companies that totally get it, and uh, the role of marketing plays a central function in the success and uh, advancement of the business. Often, marketing tends to be treated like a shared service and relegated in many ways, and that's unfortunate uh, for sure. I think the other thing that's happening in corporations is this challenge between the role of marketing and the role of technology. Uh, and you're seeing a hybridized uh, effect going on between CIO, CTO, CMO, where uh, ultimately who owns the relationship with the consumer, the stakeholders the most, who's most responsible for it in measuring it and adapting to it. That's getting tricky now when technology and infrastructure of a corporation is playing a much bigger role in um, you know, how you reach those stakeholders and also measure performance against them. But we hear marketers talking about the marketing stack, meaning the layers of technology that they use. But this is not a technology conversation, is it? Brand intimacy isn't, is not a, a technology conversation. It is really uh, born from the challenge that technology has presented. Frankly, the invention of the iPhone in 2008-9 was one of the major signals that we needed to rethink brands and how they live and how we interact with them. You know, technology is the primary gateway for most of the experiences we have with brand. That's almost impossible to deny that. So, you know, it's playing an ever-increasing role. As marketers, we're having to wear multiple hats and many of them involve uh, sophistication or understanding of technology. The marketing stack and the uh, technology roadmap of a company are many ways interconnected, right? Um, so at best, marketers and technologists are going to have to work in a more collaborative way, or they're literally becoming more hybridized in nature. It seems that many marketers confuse or conflate the role of technology with the ultimate outcome that they're trying to achieve. In other words, or to put it in another way, we have this fascination with technology, and I think that that takes away from the essence and the story and the experience that you were describing earlier. Yeah, technology runs the risk of, as I said earlier, it could be a great enabler or a barrier to success. It can get in the way of that frictionless experience that you're hoping for. It can get in the way of thinking about what really matters in building strong bonds with your customers. You know, technology is, a, is the enabler of that process. It isn't the replacement of it. Mario, we have another question from Twitter and Kristen Myers asks about the differences or the linkages between brand intimacy, brand loyalty, and I'm going to throw customer experience into that. Let's introduce customer experience in this as well. I love the question. All right. Um, loyalty is, uh, I think, a very dated and challenging concept. And I, I think this is the best way to illustrate it. I may be loyal to my service provider of my, of my cell phone, but I'm, you know, I'm a trap loyalist, to be honest. I don't really have any emotional connection to my service provider. However, every month I am loyally paying that bill or maybe reluctantly paying that bill. That's a great example of uh, how loyalty has become a, a kind of dated construct. And also, when you think about loyalty programs today, 
whether it's your, your points on your credit card or airline miles, et cetera, those have also become very stale and sort of benefit less uh, experiences more and more. So intimacy was really designed as a way to kind of go above loyalty. This is striving for something much more elevated. It's also harder to achieve. However, we think the benefits of getting there uh, ultimately will create bigger rewards. So that's where I would park the difference between intimacy and loyalty. Uh, and I, no pun intended on that word rewards. Let's talk about a customer experience and the difference between that and brand intimacy. Customer experience is, uh, for us, the, the, the measurement of interactions across channels and touch points. Uh, it's a very vital and important way to think about the performance of a brand. Brand intimacy ultimately is about the bonds that you're forming between the brand and the customer. It's a much more narrow, much more focused exploration of that relationship. So customer experience plays, again, a pivotal role and it's kind of the macro view of, of performance of one dimension of the brand. Brand intimacy is kind of inverting and looking at it in a much more singular way and a much more uh, bond-specific way, relationship-specific way. So is brand intimacy then a component, one component of the broader concept customer experience? I think that's fair. I think it's a complementary aspect or way of thinking about it. Um, you know, I think one of the challenges as marketers or as business leaders have is what are all these things that we're talking about, whether it's, you know, satisfaction or loyalty or intimacy or customer experience and wh what do I use them for, which overrides which. You know, it is a maze of uh, constructs and, and theories and that can be a big challenge for business owners, I suspect. The way I would think of brand intimacy is a much more core fundamental understanding of marketing, right? Thinking about it as why do we, how do we connect with individuals and or brands? Why do we choose them? Uh, and how do we uh, increase the odds and or the performance of the connections that we're making with the people or the brands that um, use us? Those other things all play pivotal roles and we aren't suggesting you replace them or discard them. Uh, maybe with the exception of loyalty, but uh, you know, th those things still, I think, are relevant in many ways and can be very helpful. As I talk with CMOs, the big thing that they want, and they may talk about other concepts and sort of high-level strategies, but at the end of the day, the, it seems it's all about how many clicks are we getting, how many views are we getting, can we track this lead from source back to revenue? Right. And how does that connect with brand intimacy at all? Yeah, another really good question. When we think about the performance of a brand, and you cited a few important measures, whether it's you know, traffic or attribution, uh, those are really, really critical things, right? But think of those things like the symptoms the patient is showing you. And you want to monitor those, you want to measure them, you want to be clear about the role that they play. And you want to understand what, what you're doing from an investment perspective that's creating that performance. But you also need to think, I think, take a step back and look at this more holistically from, from a brand perspective, right? So when you think about the essence, the story and the experience, if you're looking at clicks, which of those is contributing in a positive or negative way to the amount of traffic you might be generating? Is the challenge with Essence, or is it really in the story layer? Or maybe it's in the channels or the experience part of uh, the challenge. When you look at attribution, 
it again uh, forces you to think about it from a brand perspective. You know, is our problem upstream or is it downstream? Um, so, what we'd like to use intimacy for is more fundamental, right? Those things that you're measuring are going to be continually important and should be fine tuned. We'd like to add some measurements, though. We'd like you to think about the the degree of of bonds that you're forming. Are they strong? How are you measuring them? Do you know the uh, brand intimacy of your brand? Is it going up or down relative to your competitors? And what can we do, which levers can we uh, affect that would improve that performance over time? We have another question from Twitter, and this is from Zachary Jeans. And, and thank you, Zachary Jeans, for asking this because it's a continuation of what I was just asking. And, and, he, and Zachary Jeans says this, he says, as a marketer, how do you illustrate the ROI of building a brand through creative ex expression aside from just pure lead generation or customer retention and express this, explain this to the C-suite? Well, we think brand intimacy does that because we know that when we measure the best brands at brand intimacy, they outperform financially both the Fortune 500 and the Standard & Poor's. That's not a simple statement. To outperform those indices is very difficult because Fortune 500 is a revenue-based index and you get booted out if you aren't performing. Same goes for uh, Standard & Poor's, although that's a market cap-driven index. So to outperform those, you've gotta be doing something right, not just short-term, but long-term. So that's one way to think about this, that you can create a measure that has kind of overriding strength that delivers business outcomes. We know. We know you'll pay more for a brand if you're intimate with it. We know you're less likely to live without it. So those are great levers to convince business-minded individuals. However, there's other ways of measuring a brand and its strength, right? Whether it's equity or value, or there's other things out there that people are using reputation, for example. And depending on the context, some of those may be valuable or useful. Uh, we think intimacy is better than some of many of those. Um, but those are also um, long-standing traditions that a lot of uh, executives appreciate, you know, whether it's a satisfaction index or um, uh, an equity study on how a brand performs relative to its customers. Those are great and useful tools to kind of sway the argument back into the role that brand plays and why you need to invest in it. One of the ironies of this is that business-minded people really understand assets. <laughs> they really get that. Uh, and brand, if thought of as an asset, one that you nurture uh, and invest in uh, and see it more from that perspective and less as a cost-related challenge, I think you'll find uh, the conversation is already, I think, more in a better direction. So CMO is listening to this conversation, listening to you, and goes to the CEO of the company and says, you know, brand intimacy and brand equity and all of that. And CEO says, great, all of this is great, but all I care about is that you turn leads into sales. What should the CMO do? Well, that sounds like a sales function, but uh, I think the CMO might, they, yeah, I mean, to sort of uh, build on what you're saying, you know, bring me more leads, right? Uh, bring me more leads that I can close or, or help me in the different aspects of my funnel, whether it's the bottom of the funnel and, and closing more or the top of the funnel and generating more opportunities. 
And those are very tactical outcomes of what marketing is, right? What marketing should do. And I think to pull back and look at that and say, all right, well, what brand am I using to gather these leads? How competitive and strong is it in the market? And if the answer to that is, well, it is what it is, just use what you got, then of course you're gonna become more of a tactician. All right, I'm making best with what I can do, right? If you have more latitude, then, it, then go back and look at it from the Nesson story and experience perspective and use that as a, an analysis or an assessment of the brand to say, all right, where, where are there gaps? What can I do better here? Because we know that if you get all of that right, you're not gonna have a challenge differentiating yourself in the market. You're not gonna have a challenge protecting a, a, a brand that people will be attracted to and choose. So um, that may be two, two ways to think of it. Are you in tactics mode? Or do you have the, the, the luxury or the opportunity to kind of step back and improve the brand from an essence story experience perspective? And if it's so, you know, assess it and then do it in a strategic way. So ultimately then the answer is you've, you've got to do both. You need to have a strategic perspective around the value of your brand and how are you building? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it's very easy to ask and want greater demand flow um, we all want that, need that. Uh, it's another challenge to sort of think through, well, where does that come from and how do I get there? And um, many, many marketers, I think, are often pressured to deliver those outcomes without the benefit of what uh, a strong kind of cohesive strategy can, can um, ultimately deliver for them. You've been alluding to this through our conversation, but... In a, in a practical way, what are the steps that a brand can take or an organization or marketers can take to build that brand intimacy that you have been describing? Yeah, maybe thinking about the model itself is a good way to um, illuminate some potential avenues. The model is really simple in its uh, setup. We think about intimacy from the perspective of you have to be a user. So this isn't about you know, perception or awareness. You have to be a user of the brand. And we measure uh, the characteristics of how you bond and the intensity. There are six characteristics and there's three stages of intensity. And those, those uh, areas are really fertile places where you can improve a brand. So let's start with the characteristics. We call them archetypes. So there's six main ways that brands bond with us. Six universal ways. No, brand, no two brands are identical, uh, but many brands in the same industry have similar kind of archetype setups. The six archetypes are fulfillment, you know, this idea of delivering exceptional service. A brand like Amazon or um, uh, Four Seasons is a great example of fulfillment. Identity is the second archetype. This is uh, the idea of being uh, a brand that promotes an image that you aspire to. Um, Harley Davidson or say Patagonia is a great example of that brand. Enhancement is the next archetype. This is about um, the, the feeling of being smarter or more capable or more enabled by the brand. Technology companies do very well here. Apple or uh, Google or some, Samsung are good examples of enablement brands. Nostalgia is another one where uh, a brand that kind of connotes a warm uh, memory from your past. So brands like Lego uh, are really strong there. Disney is a great example of a nostalgia brand. Ritual is the next archetype, a brand that you use on a frequent basis, something that's part of a daily habit or routine. 
Uh, Starbucks is a great example of a ritual brand. And then ultimately the last one is uh, indulgence, which is this idea of pampering, uh, of gratification. So beauty care products do very well there, grooming products do well there, but also Netflix is a great example of an indulgence brand in the way that we kind of binge watch entertainment. So just looking at archetypes for a second in those six, again, no one is more important than the other. Many brands are dominant in one and have associations in others. But those are great and fertile ways to think about improvement, think about your competition and where you can distance yourself from them. We use them almost like briefing mechanisms when we work with brands. How strong are you in this area? Do you want to win in this area? Can we make you better there? What, what strategies or tactics can we uh, deploy to make this particular archetype stronger for you? So that, that's archetypes. I think that's a great mechanism or tool. The next area is stages. This is, again, the degree of intensity between the, the, the customer and the brand. There are three distinct stages, sharing, bonding, and fusing. Each build on each other. Uh, sharing is about this idea that you and the brand are first connected. You're sharing information uh, uh, with the brand and vice versa. You're getting to, in a way, know each other. Uh, th there's a kind of habit forming. The bonding stage is a little more uh, rare, a little more difficult to achieve. In the bonding stage, now you're a little more committed. You're not necessarily using competitors of that brand and trust is forming. And then finally, the final stage is fusing and that's the most rare. Very few brands reach that level and for good reasons because in the fusing stage, you are in a sense inextricably linked with the brand. Your values and the brand values are very, very close or very aligned. Michael, you said earlier Apple was an example of a brand for you. If you really think about what Apple stands for and what it does, I imagine those values are probably very simpatico with yours. Uh, and we all have brands like that, or some of us have brands like that in our lives. So stages is another way to think about how to improve a brand, right? What stage are, are your customers in, your stakeholders, whether it's employees or your, um, your end users? And what can you do to advance them up? How can you get them from sharing into bonding? How can you build more trust with them? If they are in bonding, how can you move them up into a more co-identified um, stage where the, your values and, and theirs are more intertwined? And those are really, I think, again, fertile and interesting ways to think about progress for a company or a brand. And then what is the connection between paying attention to these archetypes and these phases and trust, to use that term trust several times. Yeah, the bonding stage is where trust is uh, formed. So I think trust is an important pivot uh, from kind of building, from sharing into bonding and then ultimately into fusing. Without trust, you really don't progress forward. We have another question from Twitter, again from Zachary Jean. Zachary's on a roll, it's a great question. Can you give us a specific example of how a brand executed on your advice around intimacy? Yeah, and our website has lots of case study examples of companies that are using elements of our strategy and thinking, and I welcome you to check them out. And they span industries, scales, and sizes, really. This isn't something that's just for large companies or multinationals. We've done this with startups. We've even done it with individuals, athletes, and celebrities. So it's a universal way of looking at and thinking about brand building. Uh, to answer your question directly, I'll choose American Airlines as one of our uh, most 
I think, celebrated case studies. And here is an example of a brand that had really grown tired. This is kind of what we see a lot of. The patient comes to us with a dated expression, misaligned um, kind of execution of the brand, uh, one that really felt like it needed to get modernized. And through strong essence story and experience, we worked over many months uh, with large integrated teams to redefine what does this brand stand for? How do you express it both in its logo but in its, and also its design system, its language, its tone and manner? How does it con communicate to the market in advertising, in internal communications, in the plethora of places that you hear about or interact with the brand? And then ultimately, how do you engineer the, the vast amount of digital touch points that a, an airline brand would have from check-in systems to website, uh, you know, status boards, and on and on it goes, entertainment systems. And all of those are moments that the brand is either gaining traction or intimacy, or it's diluting. Brand intimacy, like brand trust, can change over time. For example, I remember when Google was founded and their motto was something to the effect of, of do no evil. And Google then was this aspirational, great, trusted company. Today, Google, I'm very loyal to Google for the reasons you described earlier, because I don't have a choice. But they're certainly not a brand that I feel any kind of intimacy with, even though they know my most intimate details. So things change. I'm going to keep this really short. And that's a great example of a brand that probably could do better in terms of that emotional connection. But what about YouTube, which is owned by Google? How do you feel about that? For me, I spend a lot of time with YouTube. I see YouTube as being functional, and that's it. Okay. It serves a purpose. Well, in our study, when we asked, again, 20,000 consumers what they thought, YouTube ranks higher than Google for probably good reason. However, Google did finally make the top 10 this year. So it is improving. I think they're more than aware of this and are working on it. Uh, and I think you'll see it improve over time. At least I hope so. Okay. Another question for you. So brands are, people are listening to this and they say, yeah, this is all well and good, but our company has got a lot of negative baggage. We've had some problems in the past. It's an insurmountable problem. We don't know what to do. What should they do? So the opposite of intimacy is what we call indifference. And that's something you probably want to avoid at all costs. Uh, and the challenge is how do you repair either a brand with a bad reputation and I, again, I hearken back to this analogy of how we bond with each other, right? Intimacy of people and brands are very analogous. And so someone with a bad reputation is gonna work extra hard to try to mend or cure uh, that relationship. And it's going to be very specific on the people, the context and, and the degree of the, of, the, of the damage. And I think that's true for brands too. We love, looking at brands when they go through these missteps. They're fascinating case studies when you think of them, right? Whether it's the Tylenol episode or Toyota or the United Airlines passenger dragged off the plane bloodied or AntennaGate with Apple or uh, how about this new one with Facebook and um, Cambridge Analytica and the data breach. These are opportunities for brands to leverage their goodwill, to invest in mending the relationships uh, in some cases, they have repaired them and are excelling. In some, the jury's still out, and we should see if, if they will be able to survive them. But think of it in relationship terms. It's going to take time, investment, a lot of energy of repair and mending. And presumably, correct me if I'm wrong, that the companies that do this well are the ones who recognize that 
brand intimacy is a strategic imperative. It's not just a component of the marketing function. Correct. And it's never one and done, right? This is a continuous and continual process. Again, as as is any relationship like you just described. Or any asset that you want to maintain. What about personal branding? You mentioned that you work with celebrities and athletes, so presumably then this applies to personal brands as well. Yeah, and on a hunch, last year we created the first study of uh, famous figures, which is politicians, athletes, or other luminaries. And we wanted to see if intimacy correlated so that we could uh, measure the bonds that we have with these individuals like we do with brands. And that study is free for people to see on our website and explore. It's fascinating to see how the performance of athletes versus celebrities or entertainers or singers or politicians vary, how they uh, bond via archetypes and stages. Uh, and that's a study that's a lot of fun that we look forward to repeating again in this fall. Do you have any advice for individuals who want to build their personal brand based on, on the frameworks that you have? Essence, story, and experience. It totally relates, can be used. We have uh, simple sort of multi-step uh, documents on our website that can help you if you're interested. As a, a ambulance is moving by here in Chelsea, pardon the noise. But um, our website can give you some interesting features and um, guidance in that regard. Okay, and in our final minute of this rapid fire series of questions, any final thoughts or ideas that, that you feel are important to share before we finish up? We have this kind of headline, you know, don't use antiquated thinking to solve problems for the future. And I think that's an important way to think about how brand intimacy can help your marketing. Uh, you know, the world has changed and how we interact with brands and how they interact with us is dramatically different than it ever was. And so we should be continually looking for new methods or techniques to stay ahead of the curve. Okay, Mario Naturelli, Managing Partner of Emblem. Uh, it's been a very fascinating conversation and, and thank you again for taking your time today to join us. My pleasure, Michael. I enjoyed it, thank you. You've been watching CXO Talk. Before you go, subscribe on YouTube and hit the little subscribe button at the top of our website and subscribe to our newsletter. You can see Mario Naturelli's book, Brand Intimacy. It's very good. Their website emblem is mblm.com. And take a look. Thanks so much, everybody. And I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.